It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. We got a good show for you today as we will preview UFC Fight Night Woodley versus Burns which will take place on Saturday, May 30th. We believe in Las Vegas, Nevada at the UFC Apex Center. And we'll also get to a couple of our locks of the weeks because we got we got two of them on, on today's show. And maybe that's arrogance on, on my part after, you know, I feel like I had a pretty good performance with picking my fights on the last fight. And like I've been saying over the last couple of shows, you know, I've really been... Uh, really been honing in my picks as as we get out of this quarantine situation so uh with with i think nine or ten correct picks on that uh overeem harris card you know maybe maybe it's my confidence getting a little too high that we're having two lock of the weeks as always we'll start from the bottom of the prelims and work our way up to the main card so with without further ado we'll get into it uh the opening fight on this card in vegas is a uh, featherweight fight between Chris Gutierrez and Vince Morales. Uh, it is essentially a, a pick'em fight. Uh, I believe Gutierrez is a, a minus 120 favorite. Um, so o- only the the slightest of favorites. I believe minus 115 to pick'em. So um, pretty much even money here. Gutierrez two and one in the UFC. Morales one and two in the U- uh, the UFC. Uh, that's pretty much all I know. Uh, again. You know, I'm not going to sit here and be pretentious or, or pretend like I know stuff that other people don't. Obviously, I've done some research, but I have no idea. I have no idea on this fight because I've never seen either of these two fight. But I'm going to go Chris Gutierrez just because he's the, the slight favorite and at least he's got two wins in the UFC. And that's that's pretty much it. I'm not going to not gonna drone on about a, a fight that I have no idea what's, what's going on. Uh, in the second fight on the prelims, we have a... Uh, a 135-pound fight between Casey Kenny and Lewis Smolka. Uh, Kenny is the minus 280 favorite, and this one I know a little bit more about because I've seen Casey Kenny fight. Uh, his last his last outing was a, a really tough fight versus uh, Marab Davalishvili, who uh, I'm a big fan of because he's a he's a madman and you know, he's been on the wrong side of of some decisions, but uh, a really un, really really underrated because I don't think many people know who. Uh, Marab Davalishvili is, um, but he's he's a, a very solid fighter. Fights out of uh, Sarah Longo, uh, up there in up there in New York, or I suppose down there in New York because we're up here in Minnesota. Um, but he's before that he had two really nice victories that that impressed me. He had the uh, so I didn't know who Casey Kenny was until he fought Ray Borg, and then he had that that uh, unanimous decision victory over Borg in May excuse me, March of 2019, so a little more than a year ago. And then he also had uh, a solid victory over Manny Bermudez, who was one of the hottest, the Bermudez Triangle, one of the hottest prospects in the UFC at the time. Uh, and I, I think I think even with that one, Manny Bermudez missed weight. So, and Casey Kenny's not a, not a big fighter, not a big guy. So um, that that one really impressed me. Louis Smolka, uh, I... I I know he he had the, those four losses before he got out of the UFC, and now he's won. I think he's won five of his last six, um, but he's one and one in this current stint. Uh, so I'm gonna go Casey Kenny on this one. I just think he's a better fighter. 
one of the more sizable favorites on this card. Um, but, I mean, we've seen, I think we've seen what Smolka can bring to the table uh, in the UFC. Uh, I don't know who Ryan McDonald is, who, who he beat in his last in his last fight last September, but I do know Casey Kenny's a real tough fighter, so uh, I'm going to go Casey Kenny, and at these lower weights, I'll go, I'll go by decision on this one. Uh, speaking of a really tough fighter in the uh, in another fight on the prelims, and hopefully I've got the order correct because I'm I'm sure they'll they'll screw it up uh, with with a you know six days to go, so I'm sure the order won't exactly be correct here. But uh, we will have Tim Elliott taking on Brandon Royville. Uh, Tim Elliott is the minus one eighty five favorite, and you look at you look at his record. I think a lot more people know who, who Tim Elliott is, um, but you know fifteen. 10 and 1 uh not the greatest of record but honestly a pretty pretty tough schedule to be honest with you I mean you look at his last uh losses he's lost four of his last six but you know it the, the flyweight division is so tough with what it went through and now it's resurgence even kind of without a champion in Henry Cejudo um but I mean Loki he, he has some and I mean I hate doing that but you know honestly with some of these when we're talking about previewing fight cards and we have to look at, at 11 fights on the fight card, they're not all going to be world champs. So I hate to I hate to judge people on who they... I, I hate to do that old trope where you go, well, they, they've lost to good fighters. They haven't beaten any good fighters, but they've lost to good fighters because uh, that's, that's kind of de- demeaning a little bit. But, I mean, like I said, not everybody's in the top five. Not every, everybody's a champion. So for some fighters, you kind of have to look at, well... They beat the guys they're supposed to beat, but they don't exactly, you know, rise to the occasion against bigger opponents. And I'd, I'd say that's pretty fair with with Tim Elliott. Um, but again, you know, solid, solid losses. I mean, Demetrius Johnson in 2016, uh, Ben Ben Wen, uh, Davison Figueredo, and uh, Asker Askarov. And, you know, the, the, the flyweight division is so weird, and that's why we don't do uh, rankings at North Star Sports. We don't do rankings for men's flyweight. Because what's, I mean, what's the point? I mean, we don't know if the division's staying around. We think it is. But it's so weird, man. You'll have guys lose their, their UFC debut, and they'll be in the flyweight rankings. Like, they, there might only be, like, 17 flyweights in the UFC. So it's just, the, the rankings don't really mean a whole lot. But, like, Askar Askarov went from, like, unranked, and now he's, like, the number six flyweight on the UFC rankings. So, you know, in hindsight, he has some solid losses. Not that that's what you're, what you're hoping for, a solid loss, but... Uh, I have no idea who Brandon Royville is. Uh, I believe he might be a champ over in uh, LFA. His nickname is Raw Dog. Um, so that really makes me want to pick him. But it's tough because Tim Elliott, you know, he wins the, the fights that nobody, that there's no hype on. So I'm going to go... Boy, this is tough. Uh, I should have planned this out before, but you know what? I'm going to... I'm gonna go with uh, Brandon Royville by decision. I like for if for no other reason than just the raw dog nickname. Uh, that is a solid, solid nickname. Especially, I mean, we talked about it on the last show, the last MMA show. But so many fighters with like, oh, my nickname's Pitbull. Oh, real creative. You know, raw dog. I mean, I I, I gotta go with that. And D A double G too. And he's 27. So he's and he's a little taller. He's he's five foot seven. So I'm gonna go with him. He's younger. He's taller. He's got a, a longer reach, and age really really matters when you're when you're a flyweight or a, a bantamweight. 
I mean, you know, heavyweights and light heavyweights grades really acefully. That's why like half the top 15 is, you know, 40 plus. But man, like flyweights and bantamweights, they really drop off as they get older. And Tim, Tim Elliott's had a couple of losses here. So uh, we're going to go Brandon Royville. But again, it's not my lock of the week. I mean, I could be very wrong on this. I don't feel great. I don't feel great about picking Brandon Royville. Um, but, you know, what can you do? Uh, then we have another fight here on the prelims between Jamal Hill, which is always very confusing because it looks like it's Jahamal Hill. So a very interesting name there. Uh, versus Clidson Abreu. This fight will take place at 205. Jamal Hill is the slight favorite at minus 140. Uh, he is 7-0 uh, in his professional career. He beat Darko Stosic uh, in, his, in his last fight. I believe that was his UFC debut. And I'm pretty, I'll be honest, I'm pretty high on this guy. Uh, I, I was impressed in that Stosic fight. I, I also uh, watched him in his Contender Series fight. Which again, shout out to contend the contender series because they've really taken over as as the feeding ground for the UFC. I mean, you know, it used to, for the longest time it used to be tough. I mean, on like who who comes from tough anymore? I don't even know if they do tough to be honest with you. But um, but shout out to the contender series, and uh, and I'm impressed with him. He, he looked good. Uh, 29, six foot four. He's got a 79 inch reach advantage. Or reach a 79 inch, 79 inch reach. Uh, that'd be something else if he had 79 inches of advantage on Clinton Abreu. Um, but Abreu again, you know, again, this is a, a you know a start out fight for Hill early in his career, and Abreu. I mean, he's actually two years younger than Jamal Hill, but uh, I'm really not that impressed with Clinton Abreu. Um, again, I haven't watched his fights too closely. Uh, but he had that unanimous decision loss versus Magomed Ankalaev. Uh, came back and beat Sam Alvey, and then he had that split decision loss to Shamil uh, Gamzatov in November of last year. And again, I don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to be an expert here. I don't, you know, I don't know all the the ins and outs of Klitsin Abreu, but you know, just the eye test. Does, see, that's the thing here. That's the thing here. They're both kind of young in their UFC careers. Uh, well, Jamal Hill certainly is young in his UFC career, but uh, Jamal Hill passes the eye test when you watch him, whatever that means. But he passes the eye test. Clinton Abreu does not. I'm going to go Jamal Hill as a slight favorite, and I will pick him. Well, we'll go by decision. We'll go by decision because he, he had a tough fight with Stosic, but I thought he won that convincingly, and it was a decision. So we'll go Jamal Hill by decision on this one. Uh, the second-to-last fight on the prelims is a fight between Billy Quarantillo and Spike Carlisle, and I, I'm very excited for this fight. Believe believe you me, I'm very excited for this fight. Quarantillo, boy, that's a mouthful. Uh, Billy Q has an eight-fight winning streak. Uh, the Alpha Ginger Spike Carlisle has a five-fight winning streak. So somebody's somebody's streak has got to go. Uh, Billy Q with a, a little bit more in the um, in the in the uh, total fight department. I mean, he's got what 15 fights, and Spike Carlo, Carlisle's got 10. Um, but again, I remember watching him on the on the Contender series. It's so tough to tell with, you know, I mean, it, it's a litmus test to to put you in the UFC. But it's so tough when the 
when these guys come in from uh, the contender series and I mean, well, I mean, I saw them dominate somebody on the series and then they come in and just get smoked. Like it's it's really tough. It, it lets you know that they're they're on the UFC level, but when you're fighting somebody else who's also in the UFC, not really sure how this is gonna go. I know there is a, a pretty solid following for Billy Q. Uh, but I am going to go uh, with the slight underdog here, uh, Spike Carlisle. Uh, I was super impressed when he fought uh, Elon Cruz in his UFC debut, uh, a, a knockout in the first round, uh, potentially illegal strikes behind the back of the head. I didn't think so, but I know some people thought that, um, but just very brutal a uh, very brutal, vicious knockout. He's a great interview. He's a personality and a half. And I am picking Spike Carlisle to 187 on that 666 uh, this Saturday. So, you know, if not just for the memeability of it, I, I am going with uh, the Alpha Ginger Spike Carlisle over Billy Q. Uh, and then the uh, prelim headliner here is a fight between Caitlin. Chukagian? I always mess that up. I believe I got it. Caitlin Chukagian and Va- uh, Valentina. Uh, and Antonina Shevchenko. Shevchenko is the minus 150 favorite. That's an interesting thing here, too. Uh, Chukagian taking on both the Shevchenko sisters back to back. Hopefully, this one, for her sake, is, is goes a little better than the, you know, the vicious elbows from Mount that she took from uh, Valentina. Uh,. But again, it's that whole it's that whole thing where, you know, tell me a Caitlin Chukagian moment. I, I couldn't really tell you, but you know, a very a very solid record. Um, really only lost to, to top fighters. I mean, losses to Karmouche, I and Shevchenko. Um, I, I it, it's tough. I'm gonna go with Chukagian on this one over Antonina Shevchenko. She's you know uh, Chukagian's only lost to the real deal. Um, this one, honestly, I think this, the, the, the fighting style for this one's going to favor both of them because we've kind of, and again, uh, all I know about Caitlin Chukagian for the most part is, is her fight versus Valentina. Or I shouldn't say that. I know a little more, but, um, you know, both of these fighters have struggled uh, against other opponents who are pretty good on the ground. I mean, you look at Antonina Shevchenko, I think her only loss in the UFC is to Roxanne Mataferi. Uh, and that was a split decision, and that was, you know, she kind of got outworked on the ground. But then she gets to stand up a little bit and work on her ground game, and she beats Lucia Putilova. Uh, Chukagian, stand-up fighter. Antonina, stand-up fighter. So, uh, again, with any female fight, I always pick it to go to a decision. So I'm, I'm going to pick Chukagian by decision. Uh, hopefully this is a stand-up fight, just pretty much a kickboxing match, and, and I'm going to go with uh, Chukagian on this one. Uh, she is the, the, the number two fighter in the flyweight division, uh, and uh, Antonina is the number 12 fighter in the flyweight division. So uh, according to North Star Sports, see, that's the thing. Uh, uh, Antonina is 13 according to the UFC, but, you know, North Star Sports knows what's up. So, you know, a little bit higher on Antonina at, uh, at 12 because it's a shallow division, and she does have some victories in the division. Um. But a, a huge, you know, it kind of reminds me of um, uh, the headliner of this fight, uh, Gilbert Burns, where you look at Burns and, you know, kind of toils around at lightweight, wins wins a lot more than he loses, but kind of toils around a little bit. And then he comes up and I, 
he was ranked pretty low in the welterweight division and then you know he takes on number six Damian Maya and if you if you if you're the number 12 fighter and you beat number six you're number six now so this is a really big I don't know if they'd put Antonina from from 13 to 2 but you know it's kind of like Angela Hill too last week taking on Claudia Gedalia Gedalia was number six Angela Hill was unranked which is unfair I think she should have been ranked and I believe she's ranked number 14 in the North Star Sports uh, rankings from last week um, but if Angela Hill beats Claudia Gedalia she's she's pretty much almost in the top five so this is a really big chance for Antonina um, and kind of an odd fight for Chukagian I mean the 125 is such a weird division with the rankings like they, they they're kind of it's a new division so it's kind of loose people aren't super established but uh i mean it's interesting i mean the i don't think the shevchenko sisters are ever going to fight but like if antonina beats chukagian and then say she beats jessica i like what do we do <laughs> like we just have antonina as the number one contender and i mean i don't i don't know that's an interesting thing that the ufc might have to consider with two sisters in the same division uh, so this is going to lead us to the uh, the main card here. The main event opener is a flyweight, no, excuse me, a strawweight fight. Uh, I believe that's correct, uh, which is kind of shocking, especially considering Mackenzie Dern's in that in that fight. Uh, but I believe it's a strawweight fight between Mackenzie Dern and Hannah Cyphers. Uh, Mackenzie Dern is the biggest favorite on the card at minus four hundred, and. In my mind, this so this is where the lock of the, one the first lock of the week comes in. Mackenzie Dern is my lock of the week. I this the matchmaking. I don't want to be mean, and I'm I'm not mean. I I mean this in the nicest way possible. But this is not fair matchmaking. I don't like. I guess we got to get you know Mackenzie Dern had a kid and she lost her last fight. You know it's been a little bit of a layoff. But like this is mean. Like Mackenzie Dern is a world class BJJ practitioner. A really good fighter. I know that she's got a lot of, you know, hype for, you know, a couple, a couple of reasons, one or two reasons I can think of. Um, but she's a really good fighter, and you know, she lost to Amanda Hebus. Amanda Hebus is the real deal. You know, I, I'm, I'm really high on Amanda Hebus and what she can do. I think she'll be fighting for a title. I don't want to say by the, before 2021's over. I don't want to get too hot takey, but. And, and, you know, the, the, the coronavirus kind of throws a wrench in things. But Amanda Hebus is really, really good. Um, again, saw her at, uh, at, the, at the Target Center when the UFC was here when she uh, choked out Emily Whitmire. Uh, but Hannah Cyphers 2-2 two two in the UFC. Th- this, is not, this is not fair. It feels like they're feeding Hannah Cyphers to Mackenzie Dern. Um, the last time they fed Hannah Cyphers to somebody, uh, I should say fed Hannah Cyphers to a prospect, uh, it was Macy Barber, and she got absolutely worked over, absolutely mauled. She did come back, and she won a split decision versus Pollyanna Viana, won a decision versus Jody Escobel. But these are not, these are not high-level 125ers or one one fifteen fighters. These are not high-level UFC fighters in in the women's divisions. Um, I think Jody Escobel is on like a four-fight losing streak. So, uh, and then she got uh, ground and pounded by uh, Angela Hill. Uh, to start off 2020 so this one's mean I feel bad for putting it as a lock of the week but man I gotta be correct you know what I mean like 
we're all about hot takes here, but I got to be correct. So I, I think I correctly am choosing this as my lock of the week. And we'll have one more, and it should not be a surprise to anybody when we get to it. But two locks of the week. See, I spoil you people. Two locks of the weeks. Uh, so we'll get to the second fight here on the main card. It is a lightweight fight between Roosevelt Roberts and Brock Weaver. Roberts, a uh, prohibitive favorite here at minus 315. Uh, he's on a four-fight win streak. No, excuse me. Brock Weaver is on a four-fight win streak if we want to... Well, we'll call it that. He had that weird illegal knee in his in his UFC debut versus Rodrigo Vargas. Uh, 58 seconds into the fight. So, you know, not not the um, not the debut that, that he was he was hoping for. Um, but again, listen, you know, some people get their UFC. It's hard to fight in the UFC. Some people get their UFC debut spoiled. And look at what happened to Nate Landwehr. You know, that guy had a lot of hype because he was a champ over in M1. Came here, got choked out pretty quickly by uh, Herbert Burns, younger brother of Gilbert. And uh, look what he did to Darren Elkins. So sometimes, you know, you can't control what happens in your UFC debut if you take an illegal knee from, from uh, you know, Vargas. But uh, there's a lot of hype around Roosevelt Roberts, and he last fought uh, pretty much a year ago because he was also on that UFC Minneapolis card. He got uh, He got stopped, I believe. Was it a knockout or was he choked? He definitely lost to Vince Pichel. Uh, oh, it was a decision. All right, never mind. I am smoking some substance or something. Uh, but so he loses to Vince Pichel. It comes back uh, and beats uh, Yakovlev. That's right. Okay, so I'm gonna go with Roosevelt Roberts here. He's a he's pretty tall for 155. I think he's like six foot one. And I'm not super sold on Brock Weaver. Uh, I know he's a, a, a funny guy on on interviews. He's kind of crazy and kind of wacky. Don't really know how good he is. He's, I mean, he has a lot of wins lately in island fights. And if island fights should tell you anything, I mean, that's where Chase Sherman won, like, his last five fights. And, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, that's where, that's where UFC, people who can't fight in the UFC go to just pad their stats. Uh, had their records, and uh, oddly enough, he he lost to he lost to Joe Riggs in in a, at BKFC, so that's kind of a weird tidbit thrown in there. But I'm gonna go Roberts. He got back on track versus Yakovlev. Um, I don't know. I mean, you can never count out Brock Weaver because he's kind of a brawler, uh, kind of like Nate Landwehr. But I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Roberts. And, and again, not for not for any particular reason i mean I, I i don't know i'm not an expert in either of these two fighters but you know this these see these are the cards we have we had a great week a great eight day period with those three cards and now uh you know ufc 250 is coming along uh it's getting a, a little bit more stacked uh, but you know this is definitely the the rebound card here i mean you you can tell when you have you know brock weaver and roosevelt roberts and hannah cyphers on a main card that uh you know, this is not exactly the most stacked card. It's not exactly UFC 200 we're talking about here. <laughs> you know, this is more like uh, this is more like UFC Shevchenko versus Carmouche in Argentina levels of, of of cards, where like we really just don't know anybody on these on these prelims because it's it's a lot of nobodies, uh, and the the card structure makes no sense to me at all. That's that's one thing. 
That's one gripe I have with the UFC. Now, I understand to be a... I would rather be a headliner on the prelims than be like the second fight on the main card. I understand that there's certain... It's not always better to be higher on the card. It's better if you're the main event. It's better if you're the co-main. But if you're, would you rather be the, the, the prelim headliner or the number two fight on the main card? I mean, I understand that there's there's some fluidity with, with UFC cards. But, like, some of this stuff doesn't make any sense. Like, when they put Juan Adams as, as the, the fight before the, the uh, co-main event at UFC 248. Uh, or, uh, was it 248? No, 247, the one in Houston. It's like, why? Because he's from Texas? Yeah, but he's a bad fighter. Like, <laughs> but it's going to deliberately put bad fighters on the main card while good fighters, some good fighters are on the prelims. So, like, why is Hannah Cyphers on the main card and, and Chukagian and Jeff Chanko, who are both ranked, not on the main card? I mean, I could tell you why, because Mackenzie Dern is, is fighting her, but it's like, all right, these cards don't fully make a lot of sense here. Uh, but anyway, I'll stop griping. We'll get to the uh, third-to-last fight here on the main card, and it is a uh, welterweight fight here between uh, Kevin the Trailblazer Holland and Daniel Rodriguez. Holland is the minus 230 favorite. It has been 14 days since, uh, well, from from uh, this upcoming Saturday, it'll be 14 days since Holland uh, last fought, because I believe he fought on that 249 card. No, did he, did he fight on the Overeem card? Probably just should have done more research here and, and stop asking a, a, a rhetorical audience, but uh, either way, I'm a huge fan of Kevin Holland. Uh, I have been since he made his UFC debut. Um, yeah, so it was it was the Overeem and Harris card. Uh, but again, I've always been a huge fan of Kevin Holland. When he doesn't get taken down, that's my big stipulation. You know, when he gets taken down and choked out by Brendan Allen, uh, doesn't doesn't seem to to work out too great. But he's surprisingly, I mean, he's racking up the frequent flyer miles here because, I mean, uh, two fights in in the same month. Uh, he's just an active guy uh, already. And, and, and uh, you know, low-key some solid wins. I know you look at John Phillips and you go, well, he's like 1-4 in, in the UFC. Yeah, I'll give you that. But if he lands, he'll he'll knock your lights out. Call him the, call him the, the white Mike Tyson. Uh, you know, Gerald Mearshart, so, solid win. I know some people disagreed with that split decision. Uh, but I'm a big fan. He's, he's creative, and he just... He murked Anthony Hernandez. That was not even a fair fight. Just brilliant knees. Just got super long arms. Um, and again, I don't know a whole lot about Daniel Rodriguez. Uh, I, I know he's no slouch either. Uh, he's, he's a little bit older. He is on a seven-fight winning streak. Uh, but hopefully this is a, this is a pretty much a kickboxing match, which I think uh, Holland will, will win. 81-inch uh, reach for, for Kevin Holland. So uh, two wins. I'm predicting two wins in the same month for Kevin Holland. So this leads us to the co-main event, and this is what I'm talking about with why is this a co-main event. Uh, this this is more like a, a prelim headliner, but, you know, we're dealing with... Uh, I like to call these, uh, like to call these quarantine cards because they're not exactly not exactly the greatest cards in the world, but... Hey, listen, fights are back, and I'm not going to complain because you know, I, I you know, like I like I said a couple of weeks ago, I, I would even watch a a PFL card at this point. So I'm just happy fights are back. It is between the number twelve 
ranked heavyweight Blagoy Ivanov and the number 13 ranked heavyweight Augusto Sakai. Uh, North Star Sports rankings agree exactly with the UFC because we both we both uh, have the exact same rankings for these two fighters. Uh, Rankings-wise, makes a lot of sense. 12 versus 13. It is a pick'em fight here, and this this one's tough. This one's tough. But you got you got Ivanov, who's two and two in the UFC, which honestly honestly is kind of debatable because uh, I thought. I thought he, uh, I thought he lost to Ben Rothwell. I think Ben Rothwell should be on, on like a three-fight winning streak because I thought Rothwell was, he got screwed versus Blagoy and he got screwed versus um, oh I'm forgetting his name but he got screwed versus somebody else. So Ivanov, he's a very very tough guy. Showed it in that Derek Lewis fight. Uh, showed it in that in that the the return fight for Junior Dos Santos. But you know who who knows where he fits in. He's kind of got a weird body, and I'm, I'm not talking about the, you know, the, the knife scar, but, you know, it's kind of a short, well, well, a really short heavyweight, to be honest with you. He's 5'11", 257, um, versus Sakai, and it's it's tough, too, because Sakai, I thought Sakai lost the uh, versus Andre Arlovsky. He won that fight via split decision. So I'm looking at two, at both of these guys going, well, I don't want to be mean and say I'm picking between two bad options here, but I don't know. But I don't know what to make of either of these two fighters. You know, they're—I'll be nice and say they're tough fighters, and and I'm not just—you know—maybe I'm just throwing around niceties or whatever. But I—I—I I, I really don't know with this one. I'm gonna go with Sakai, but again, like I don't feel great about it, and I guess suppose that's why the the uh, odd shark correctly put this at a, a minus 115 pick him even off two and two Sakai you know 11 of his 14 fights have been by uh, KO he's on a five fight winning streak which says something because it's heavyweight but uh, you know I just struggle because I look at his opponents and go all right man like the, the five fight winning streak Diago Cardoso Marcos Conrado Jr. Chase Sherman Arlovsky and Tybura and in fairness, he knocked out Tybura in the first round. But like, okay, do I think Tybura's a world beater? No. Do I think Arlovsky's washed? Yeah. And, and I thought Arlovsky won the fight. Is Chase Sherman a good fighter? Absolutely not. So I, I just struggle because I go, well, maybe Sakai's a good fighter. Maybe he'll win this fight. But what have I seen from him? I, I've seen... You know what? I'm changing my mind. I'm changing my mind. I'm going to go with Ivanov on this one because I've seen grittiness I've seen toughness I've seen all the cliches from Ivanov Sakai I'm not sold on him again this is my my unlock of the week because I man I could be wrong I, very well I, I probably chose the wrong fighter here because I have no idea you know I'm not afraid to say I, I have no idea this is a, a funky ma- but I tell you what this is a good matchup this is a good matchup because it provides more clarity see we got two unknowns they fight each other now we know now we know, like Dana White says, the more you know. So this is good because then the winner of this moves up to 10 or or 11, and, and, and there we go. And then the loser, we can forget about them. They'll be, they'll be number 15 in the heavyweight division, which, you know, is not, not saying a whole ton. Uh, but again, looking at the heavyweight division, I mean, even though there's a bunch of old fighters in the heavyweight division... 
And believe me, when I did the rankings, it, it, figuring out like five through, we'll say 11, it's really tough, man, because you really could make a case for any of them that they should be ranked in any order. So it's a division that needs clarity because you got some young guys upcoming. Uh, you know, you got some older guys and, you know, it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. But, you know, the winner of this fight, I mean, just looking at the rankings, interesting matchups that would provide further clarity that really would provide a a clear track to 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 climb the to you know hopefully into the top five at some point but you know you got Overeem at eight Harris at nine and Olenek at ten I mean even even if like Blagoy Ivanov knocks out Sakai I'm not going to be clamoring for him to fight like Walt Harris but you know there there could be some fun matchups here uh, but I'm going to stop stalling because I quite honestly don't care about the, the co-main event. But I tell you what, I really do care about the main event. Let me tell you that much. I really care about the main event. And this is, uh, this features, excuse me, the number one ranked welterweight, former welterweight champion Tyron Woodley versus uh, the number six welterweight uh, in both the North Star rankings and the UFC rankings. Uh, Gilbert Burns, Tyron Woodley is a minus 190 favorite. Uh, so honestly, a little bit closer than than what I expected. I figured Woodley would be a, a, a little heavier of a, of a of a favorite, but you know, uh, credit credit where uh, credits due for Gilbert Burns. Uh, really coming into his own. He's only 33, and on on a little bit of a streak here uh, in the welterweight division. Uh, you, you you look at what he's done at lightweight. I think he was seven and three as a lightweight. Uh, you know, I mean, he he, he beat some guys, but again, he, he kind of I don't know. He he really unlocked his full potential when he when he moved up. Um, wins over uh, Alexei Kunchenko. He took. I remember I was impressed by that, and I know Russian fighters like to pad their their records. So oh, Kunchenko being twenty and zero, but you know he he handed him his first loss. Very active fighter, came back uh, about five or six weeks later and beat Gunnar Nelson, uh, and that's a very solid win, even if his career is not exactly where he'd want it to be. Uh, and then, obviously, you know, he, he had that, that giant leap up in the rankings after he beat Damian Maya, knocked him out, and I know a lot of people like to, uh, to crap on Damian Maya. I, maybe this might be a hot sports take, but I don't think... Da- like, you look at Damian Maya. I don't think he's changed over the last seven years. I really don't. I really don't. You know, like how leading up to that that title fight with Woodley, he was on a seven fight win streak. You know, he beat Magny and Nelson, Matt Brown, which is saying n- nothing because that guy's not good. But Condit and Masvidal, like, wow, Damian Maya, he's surging, and then he loses to Woodley, loses to Covington, and loses to Usman, and people go. Well, he's on a three-fight losing streak. He's washed. No, I I, I think he lost. He lost to three champions, and then you know he had that resurgence, quote-unquote resurgence. I guess I'm saying that ironically because he beat Lyman Good, uh, Anthony Rocco Martin, and Ben Askren. And people go, oh, Damian Maya's back, guys. He's not back. He's always been here. Like when you talk about, oh, he had that skid. Well, yeah, technically he had the skid because he lost three fights in a row. But guys, they were to the Damian Maya is great he's not elite so he lost to three elite fighters 
he's been at the same level. It's just, you know, the, he's been very consistent. I think it's just the ebbs and flows of his opponent's strengths. So that says a lot to me when Gilbert Burns beat him. Because that, to me, that put puts Burns in the same... Well, I don't want to say, say the same category as Woodley, Covington, and Usman, but at least higher than Maya, and we know where Maya stacks up. Now, again, to a certain degree, this is conjecture because it, it's MMA math, and MMA math really never or rarely or, you know, it, it's not exactly a certain thing here, but um, I, I, that that's a very big win for me. But again, listen, he's going up against... Tyron Woodley, who I know he had that weird fight with versus Usman. I don't know what the deal was, but listen, I am the president of the Tyron Woodley fan club. I love Mizzou fighters. I still think when Tyron Woodley is on, nobody can beat him. Now, clearly he was off versus Usman because he lost. But when Tyron Woodley's on, nobody can beat him. Let's not forget, Tyron Woodley has been a much maligned fighter in the UFC, uh, very unfairly. Listen, guys, he defended the welterweight belt four times. Now, that might not sound like a lot, but go, go back in the Rolodex, the mental Rolodex you have of UFC champions. Guys, okay, like, so we have guys like Jones. We have guys like GSP. We have guys like Demetrius Johnson. We have guys like Anderson Silva. These guys set the benchmark for, for title defenses. You know, they all have like 8, 9, 10, 11. But guys, these are the best fighters ever. Like, most most champions, like, it'd be interesting to see the, the average amount of title defenses per champion. Guys, it's, prob- it's probably like one and a half. It's probably like two. And Woodley had four. And they were all very tough fights. Thompson? Nightmare. Nightmare. Wonder Boy, a nightmare. Stylistically, just a complete nightmare. Defended it twice. Now, I understand the first time was a draw and the second time was really close, but defended it twice. And to be, and to be honest, it wasn't even really close, the third fight. I mean, well, here's the thing. They were close fights, but all the big moments Woodley had. Thompson didn't really have that many big moments in those fights. Okay, he beats Damian Maya. Was it a boring fight? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Who, but but he won. Like, what do you do? You want him to have an exciting fight, but lose? That's stupid. Why would he go for that? So, and that was a boring fight because of Damian Maya. Like people people like to to crap on Woodley, and I'm not crapping on Maya because that's a totally valid way to fight. But who was the one that was spamming the 24, 24 or twenty five or twenty six takedowns? It wasn't Woodley. Woodley was keeping the fight standing up. It was Maya. So if you want to blame anybody, blame Damian Maya. But don't even blame him. That's just a valid way to fight. It's not like it was a Derek Lewis and Francis Ngannou type thing where they were afraid to f- throw a punch. No, it was just Maya's a, a grappler. That's clearly his only way to win that fight. And he tried it, and it didn't work. And also, Woodley had a, a blown-out shoulder. Like, he tore his labrum, I believe, like, early in the first round. So that's one of the... On, like. It's not even a hot sports take to me, but I think it will be. So I'm just gonna call it. I'm gonna call it a hot sports take for the people out there. It's one of the most impressive title defenses I've ever seen. I'm not saying it was an exciting title defense, 
I'm not saying it, well, it was a good title defense because any title defense is a good title defense. But, like, he he beat him with one hand. He stopped another human being, one of the greatest Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, practitioners in MMA history. He stopped him from taking him down 25 times with, with a blown-out arm. That's very impressive. And then, of course, knocking out and choking out Darren Till, cracking him with the, with the right hand and then choking him out with a darts choke. Guys, he was just off. Or maybe Usman's better. All right, I could concede that. Maybe he is better. I th- I think if Woodley fights Usman again, I think he murders him. Uh, I, I, th- like, I think, because that's the thing about Woodley, and this is what I think is going to happen. This is, And by the way, this, and I mean murder metaphorically. I don't mean literally murder him. But uh, this is my second lock of the week. Tyron Woodley. He's the lock of the week here. Minus 190 favorite? Boy, if I could bet sports in the state of Minnesota, which, you know, will never happen because this is a boring state when it comes to to laws, I would bet the house on Woodley. And that's no disrespect to Gilbert Burns, but Tyron Woodley's one of the greatest of all time. He's not the greatest, but he's one of the greatest. Four title defenses against really good fighters. He's got a steam piston for a right hand, and that's how I think he gets it done. Because I think the wrestling will cancel out. Kind of like Usman and Covington, kind of like Maya and Askren. For whatever the reason, when two guys who are very, very good at wrestling get in an octagon, they tend not to use their wrestling. Now, I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe they do take the fight to the ground, but I think Woodley could hold his own. I think he could hold... Or maybe it would be, maybe, honestly, who knows? Maybe it would be more proper to say Burns could hold his own. Because I don't know who's who the better wrestler is. Like, they're both elite on the ground. I guess Burns is more BJJ and, and Woodley's more wrestling. But, like, they're both really good on the ground. So I think it'll be a stand-up fight. That favors Tyron Woodley because he is one of the hardest, hardest punchers below light heavyweight. I mean, and that's where the lock of the week comes in here too. Because I I say in the first or second round, I don't think this goes to a decision. In the first or second round, he knocks him out with a right hand. Similar, I think he just bum rushes him. Not to start the fight, but like, Woodley's kind of like a smarter Yoel Romero who actually uses his wrestling. You know, because he'll just kind of prod and poke and, and whatever. And then he'll do what he did to Robbie Lawler and just come in and just take your head off. Or, like, what he what he did to Josh Koscheck. I mean, that's the thing. Like, whatever. Yeah, he's a terrible rapper and he can be kind of annoying. But, you know, Tyron Woodley's the man. Uh, I, I think he's a much better fighter. And I think once he beats Burns, it's title fight time, baby. And honestly, maybe, maybe a little more hot sports takey as well. I think, I think he, I'm not going to say he, I'm not going to put him as the guy who's favored, but I think it's very likely that Usman's next opponent is Woodley. Like with all this Masvidal, whoever, whatever, whoever's, I, I, I don't know, I'm not in the negotiations, so I don't know if it's Woodley who, or uh, excuse me, Usman who's declining the fight, or, or Masvidal who's declining the fight, or what McGregor's doing, but 
I don't know when Usman's going to fight next. I don't know when that fight with Masvidal is going to happen or if it happens. So I think, you know, if Woodley can get Burns out, out of there in the first or second round, knock him out with his right hand, I think maybe in July or August, maybe we're looking at Usman versus Woodley too. Because I know Woodley went, wouldn't turn down that, down that fight. He wants to get his belt back. Now, and again, I don't pretend to know what's going on with these negotiations between uh, Usman and, and, and Masvidal or McGregor or whatever. But I do know, I do know that recency bias is a real thing, and Woodley's going to fight next. He's going to fight this Saturday, so he's, you know, if he, if he wins, you better believe he's going to call him out. Like, who, who else would he call out? He's been calling out Covington, uh, you know, he's been, been talking, talking bad about uh, Leon Edwards, but like, He's not going to call out Leon Edwards if he beats Gilbert Burns and he's already the number one contender. He's not going to call out Covington. He doesn't have a belt. So he's going to call out Usman. So honestly, I think, guys, be prepared. Be prepared for, for Woodley to call out Usman and 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 maybe for that to, to, to be the, the favorite to be the next fight. So with that, we'll wrap it up here. We'll have a recap show of uh, UFC Fight Night, Woodley versus Burns. Uh, probably dropping next Monday, next Monday, early Monday morning. Uh, again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You can follow North Star Sports at, on Twitter at North Star M I N. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. This has been North Star Sports. <laughs>